Hey guys, it's Elise and Henry. Welcome to Coffee 101. It's so delayed. <laughs> okay, you guys, welcome back to class. Um, today, we're doing our format a little bit differently because I'm in California and Henry Yeah, and I'm in Virginia, Virginia East Coast. <laughs> we're doing this on Zoom and you guys can't tell, but it's like slightly delayed because we're also talking on our AirPods. Um, right. So everything is silly delayed. I'm looking at her and I kind of want to like get you off my screen and just look at, <laughs> look at my notes because it's just bothering me. But no one's going to notice what's going on. I know. So if we make stupid faces, then no one will know. It's like when yeah. the teacher's back is turned in class and they're making like dumb faces at them. And you, and you throw spitballs <laughs> at them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So today we're talking about something that I think that a lot of specialty coffee people really love, but especially um, important for people who don't know much about coffee because it's like when you go and drink wine or like when you drink beer or any really thing that yeah. has like, um, oh, I mean, actually, yes, like there is a difference between Dasani water and like Aquafina and like all Dude, of that, whatever. There's, I, I have to, there's this guy on YouTube named Prod Z, and he does like YouTube. He's an Asian guy who does YouTube sketches, and he has mm-hmm. this one skit that's like, <laughs> when you get to the subreddit like section or whatever, and it's like before it's like, oh, I like water, and then it's like after reading the subreddit, it's like this is not the right pH level of the water. The mineral content <laughs> is too high or too low. It, the, the type of filtration system wasn't good. <laughs> it's kind of the it's same literally thing, like, actually. So <laughs> it's like a it's like a literally a twelve second skit. I'll have to I'll have to we'll have to link that because Prodzy is hilarious. <laughs> but what that means though is that we're talking about how coffee has such a subtle difference in taste and flavors and aromas and processing production, etc. Because it is originally a fruit. Um, it's a cherry to be specific. And with that being said, like you know, not all blueberries are the same or like not all grapes are the same and et cetera. So with that same idea, not all coffee is the same. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think it's cool to, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously we've talked about in different ways to brew coffee in different types of coffee, like seeds themselves, but it's like, okay, we still want to go deeper. We want to educate and again, we're, this is a bird's eye view. There's only so much we can do in these episodes. We try to keep this a little bit shorter. But yes, yeah, so let's start off. Man, what, what makes up a coffee cherry? So fun fact, most people don't know that a coffee seed, a lot of people call them beans. I'm actually trying to get better at that because technically a seed, not a bean, comes from a cherry. And they look like little grapes or like little like cherries. Literally, they look like cherries. So maybe if you get an ice cream sundae, it's not a cherry on top, but it's a coffee cherry. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. So Elise, what makes up a coffee cherry? So it's, think about, I think the way that like you can relate a coffee cherry is the same way that you would think about like a grape that has a seed, right? So it's like, mm. you've got the outer layer or the skin, which also can be referred to as like the pulp. Um, and then you've got like the juicier part of it, which is like the mucilage. So we're getting more technical science terms, right? Then you've got the outer layer of the seed, which is, they call the parchment. And then at the very base at the center of it is the seed or what we know as the beans. So before beans are roasted, and if you remember from 
our second Coffee 101 episode, we talked a lot about like the roasting different levels, but they all start off as green beans or green seeds pre-roasted mm. straight from the pit of the coffee cherry. Yeah. And that's so good. I was thinking about this. People were like, what is a coffee maker? Right. I think when I say the word coffee maker, people immediately think, oh, like a Mr. Coffee Pot or a curé or the barista making their coffee. But then I'm thinking like, OK, well, coffee literally like the cup that you're holding right now. I'm actually drinking uh, a hyper or hydro chiller. Uh, so a basic a flash cold brew from Hatch Coffee. It's super good. Mm-hmm. Dope. But it's like this cup that I'm holding. It's like, OK, this was brewed by me, but then it was roasted by someone else but that green cough that was bought from someone else who like grew it and made it a certain way right and so when we're talking about what is coffee mm-hmm. making there's such a, a depth that goes into that and that's where processing mm-hmm. comes in how coffee is processed so basically what i mean by process and again this is a super bird's eye view there's only so much i can say what we mean by process is when a coffee is ready to harvest so when that cherry, it's like the season, kind of like when we think of like when we do crops and whatnot, like when it's at its ripest season. And again, we talked about this in past episodes, depending on the elevation and the rainfall, like we kind of like farmers know better than me uh, when to pick it. Then it's like, okay, what is the process to which this cherry gets to become a green coffee to bean? And so there are three, kind of four, I'll, mean, I'll explain what I mean by kind of four later. There are three main ways coffee is processed. Mm-hmm. There's other kind of other processes, but these are like the most well-known. And the first one is natural processed coffee or uh, dry process. You'll hear that in different ways. I actually, I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I, I call it natural and I get mad when people call it dry. But Wait, I why? It's like it, the same thing. But I said the same thing. But I, <laughs> But I don't know why I get mad. It just, it just not, dry sounds weird to me. So, that's what they're doing. They're drying it. Well, you're going to explain it, but. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't get it. But <clears throat> in a natural process coffee, farmers will literally pick the cherry when it's ready to harvest. And really, once they pick the cherry, it's picked up and uh, it just sits out to dry. Like literally, they put it on like, the floor or they put it in tanks, we'll talk about it in a minute, um, or they'll put it on these like sheets and it'll literally sit out there and dry in the sun till it reaches a certain moisture content. And typically these coffees are diverse, they're fruity, because uh, they really inherit the, think about it, like that seed is sitting in the actual cherry. Like the cherry like literally is almost surrounding the entire seed. The entire time produces a heavier body cup and many regions that produce this are like Ethiopia and Brazil. So that's a natural process coffee. So Elisa basically sits, even though Elisa knows this, I'm, I think I'm telling her this, but like the seed no, sits yeah, yeah. Tell in me. the chair. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Professor. Do you like, nat- do you like natural <laughs> process coffee, Elise? I do. I, uh, to be honest with you, like that's the area of like coffee tasting that, and we're going to get into coffee tasting later, but like that's actually still, the parts where I'm, I'm developing my sense of taste and palate for like how to differentiate the different processing versions because there are differences in them. Um, but I I think I do like naturals better than, or I prefer rather than like the other processes. But the other thing too that I think is um, 
another approachable way to think about it is like you literally stick a grape out in the sun, leave it on the table in your back patio or something, and you just kind of let it shrivel up into that raisin, right, or whatever. So all yeah. the seed is is soaking up and taking all of that extra moisture content um, in the actual seed and bean itself. And that's what we get later on in the coffee we, we produce. Yeah, the naturals are great. And I think you make a good point, Elise, where it's like differentiating between the main two, talk about the second bit. I would say that my biggest encouragement is I used to struggle with this like honestly about a year ago and so I said this is what I'm going to do for a month straight I only drink natural processed coffees and the next month mm -hmm. I drink only washed coffee washed coffees washed not washed washed coffees and after I did that I immediately like have gotten really good at being able to say that's washed that's natural because I was like I trained my palate because mm -hmm. our palate's a muscle right that's my encouragement to you and anyone listening. If you're like, I can't tell the difference. Well, drink only this process for a month and then drink only the other process for a month. And like, you'll get it every time. Um, and constantly yeah. trying coffees, cupping. Elise is really good at that, uh, which is basically <laughs> like tasting coffees. But yeah, it's moving on. Wash processed coffee. Uh, <laughs> essentially, while natural coffees leave the cherry intact, the wash process separates the bean from the cherry in a procedure called depulping. So literally think about it. They strip the cherry from the actual coffee seed and the mucilage, which is, again, is that sticky stuff that's between the cherry and the seed. They strip all that and they wash it literally in water. Um, they're, they're deep pulped in the station in, in these big tanks called wet mills. And so think about it. It's washed in water. It's stripped of that cherry. It's washed or wet process is what people uh, kind of describe it. And so these typically uh, are well balanced. They're complex. They have pronounced acidity. They're, they have this silky, delicate, like tea-like body with a wide range of notes um, with like chocolatey, nuttier, uh, even floral notes. And so Latin America and Africa is kind of well known for this. And I, most washed coffees have this like tea body aftertaste. That's kind of what I use for me to be able to differentiate between the two so think about it it's sort of washed in water that's kind of the main difference and so one of the reasons right. why coffee farmers take washed or natural is that a lot of natural processed regions don't have access to water and so when they don't mm -hmm. they're forced to do natural whereas the washed a lot of people prefer washed is what i've met because you kind of get for lack of a better phrase you get the actual like notes that the sea would produce instead of letting it sit in the uh, cherry, you're getting what it's kind of intended to taste like, which is not the best terminology, but it's like you strip it, so it's just a seed without it sitting in the cherry. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, yeah. And I think what's interesting too about wash process is like, again, like if we're gonna put it into a little bit more like uh, accessible terms, it's just like, okay, if we're gonna take the analogy of the grape again, it's like you're just stripping away everything on the external layers of it and just leaving what's left. And like, yeah, I, I, I agree with the idea of like terminology of like what the seed is intended to taste like is, is maybe not the best terminology to use, but in reality, it's just like whatever is left um, from, from all of those layers being pulled away. Um, but in a sense too, it's like, okay, when we talk about the body of coffee that you're drinking, um, kind of like how Henry was saying, when you have a 
dry process or natural process versus a wet process, like you usually can tell by the actual like texture in your mouth of what you're consuming. So, right, like there is a very clear difference in texture between something like chocolate milk and green tea. Like, you know, texture wise, even if you didn't know what those drinks were, you could tell the difference based off of that feeling that, that it leaves on your tongue. So that's where I feel yeah. like processes help um, or like differentiating those processes come in. Yes. That's really good. Um, third type, so there's natural or dry. There's washed or wet. Two, two, one and a half more, and again, bird's eye view. There's honey process. This is a really popular process. So <coughs> the honey process, a producer depulses the cherry, so similar to a wasp, takes the cherry off, right? However, uh, like the natural process, the honey, the honey process kind of skips the, those tanks. And they leave the mucilage, which again is the sticky stuff between the seed and the and the, and the parchment and whatnot. So six that they leave the sticky stuff on, so they let the seeds dry in the sticky stuff. But the thing is, calling it a mucilage process coffee kind of sounds gross. Like so, they call it honey process. That's literally why. Like because much, much better. <laughs> mucilage sounds gross. Just imagine if they call it mucilage process coffee. Um, <laughs> It's sweet, jammy, sugar, like very sugary notes. It's creamier body than a wasp. Um, it had the texture again, it's close to a honey, hence sticky stuff. It's not as acidic as a wasp coffee or has high qualities natural, but it's fun. Um, I've really enjoyed honey processed coffees. Third wave had a honey processed Costa Rica like a year or so ago that I really enjoyed. And these are typically regions such as Brazil or Central America. So honey, mucilage, sticky stuff. Mm -hmm. all you have to it's it's kind of funny how like this whole time I actually didn't know this until right now that it, it's not actually honey like I always thought when we, we said honey processed coffee I actually thought really? that they were taking the seed and like letting it sit in honey because instead of letting it like ferment in water or those those wet mills right so it's I didn't even know that it was actually just the mucilage around the seed um, but yeah, yeah, it would be weird if they just called it mucilage processed. I'm sure there's that would someone be out so there gross. That, that calls it that. Um, and then I last mean, one. Uh, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, no, that was it. It was just, it's just not very no. appetizing to You haven't hear. had as much banter. Let me tell a joke. So, uh, knock, knock. <laughs> okay, who's there? Your mom. Ah! Stupid. Okay, the last one. Last one, okay, so I have thoughts on this, and I'm not, so anaerobic <laughs> is the word. Anaerobic seems to be, and let me explain it before people who are in the coffee list, and they're all like, oh, like, let me explain. So anaerobic <laughs> is, is, a, is a fad that's kind of grown in specialty coffee, and an anaerobic fermentation process. It's just fad, especially in the competition world. So by anaerobic, they basically mean the coffee sits in these almost like stainless steel tanks with like almost like straws coming out of it or like or like uh, hoses where they're, it's an oxygen-free tank where they sit in. Sometimes they heat up these tanks. Sometimes they sit in other substances in the tanks like whiskey or orange juice or some other liquid. Um, mm -hmm. But the issue with calling a coffee an anaerobic fermentation process is that all coffee is already fermented. Um, and the issue with that is I think so many times people have different definitions for, for anaerobic. And so for example, a, a girl named Lucia Solis, you should listen to her podcast. 
Uh, she's an episode about this. We'll link that I'll in the show notes brief. for sure. Link in the show. She goes, calling a ferment- fermentation anaerobic is scientifically redundant. Even a fermentation in open air is still anaerobic because it refers to met- the metabolism of the microbes independent of the environment they're in, which means we need to have a definition of what fermentation is. I think the biggest issue when it comes to coffee and wine culture and anything, that no one knows what fermentation means or people have multiple definitions. So mm-hmm. this is the definition that, that Lucia uses. It's a scientific definition. It says it is narrowly, narrowly defined as the extraction of energy from, carbohy- from carbohydrates in the absence of oxygen. Fermentation chemical process by which molecules such as glucose are broken down anaerobically. So basically it means that again, it is the transfer of energy is kind of the easiest way to remember it um, with like bacteria and yeast and whatnot. So I think calling a coffee anaerobics doesn't make sense because all coffee is already fermented, right? All natural, washed, honey, it's already fermented. So it doesn't actually, like we can't really call a coffee anaerobic if that makes sense. So, so daily coffee news says, so, sorry, what? Oh, I was going to, so I was, I was going to ask like a clarifying question. So like, basically what you're saying is like, when we talk about the idea of coffee being fermented, it's really just the idea of it being chemically broken down. So to call anaerobic, so a coffee anaerobic is just kind of almost like, uh, what's the word, like a double negative in a sense, where you're just yeah. adding on to that same definition. Because if you think about it, the the opposite, exactly, because the opposite of anaerobic is aerobic, which means in the presence of oxygen, but coffee can't do that. So it's like, it doesn't make sense Mm. to call it anaerobic. Like all coffee is already anaerobic. Like fermentation is not a process. It's always going to happen. Again, the opposite of anaerobic is aerobic, which cannot happen when making coffee. Rather, fermentation is a craft in which precautioners are able to influence the type of microbes present and change the identity of the yeast or bacteria changing. So what I'm saying is when people say anaerobic, when they sit in these tanks, they're not necessarily doing something different. Um, well, they are doing something different, but they are they're doing some sort of change through these machines to change the coffee. Daily Coffee News says the entirety, the entire history of Walsh coffee production, the time period when pulped coffee is, is macerated, usually in open air tanks or buckets or even plastic sacks, plastic bags, has been called fermentation. Its origins are function, not form. It was simply the method farmers had at their disposal for removing the sticky fruit mucilage from the parchment covered coffee seeds. Flavor changes, while important, are secondary to getting rid of fruit, sugars, and, and whatnot. And so what that's saying is basically these tanks are really expensive. So when it comes down to that, people are, are obsessed with these anaerobic tanks, but it's like, we shouldn't have farmers buy these things because it's expensive, it's a fad, and we can already trust the farmers to be able to create really good, high-quality coffees for us that are already fermented. Um, mm-hmm. Lucia would say that we should just call these tanks, uh, like she said, aeroxic coffee or anaeroxic. Actually, I wrote it down. I want to make sure I'm probably saying it wrong. She said she wants it to call it uh, anoxic anoxic coffee and anoxic coffee or you can call it submerged coffee or another or dry fermented coffee meaning by dry fermented or submerged basically when it sits in these tanks by submerged those 
seeds could sit in water in the tank. So it's still like a wash process in the tanks or dry fermented process where it's like, it's still sitting in the tanks. So basically it just adds more confusion than clarity. It's, you're probably still confused <laughs> by listening. So when people, this is what Lucio would say. If you walk into a coffee shop and this is a small tangent before we get into flavor notes, when you walk into a coffee shop and you see their bags and they say anaerobic, but it doesn't say what farm they got it from, then I want to buy it. Um, honestly, if you go to any coffee shop and you, you see their bags and it doesn't talk what farm they bought it from, they don't buy it because they obviously right. don't care enough about the farmer. Right. Like all of our bags that they're made are named after our farms or our lots, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you see an anaerobic process coffee, be careful buying it because it's so vague. They don't, probably the roaster doesn't know what fermentation means, right? And so mm-hmm. what Lucia would say is if you see an anaerobic process coffee, See if it's more specific. What I mean by that is anaerobic process coffee, 24 hours, 32 degrees Celsius. That's a made up number. So if it's very specific in what is happening to these tanks, then it's probably safe to buy. But if it just is anaerobic, I want to buy it because they probably just don't know what they're talking about. Um, right. Again, right. this is it super also, bird's eye like, view. But this is also like calling like chai tea. It's like redundant, right? Because like chai, it means tea. So it's like saying like tea like it's just it's just a, the same terminology for the same exact process um yeah it's and it, it's so it's, undergoing exactly so it's not the anaerobic is a bad thing it is cool there's a, there's a couple other issues people have because it's like using a machine to the farmer itself but basically anaerobic is the wrong terminology um that's the mm-hmm. biggest issue i have with anaerobic coffee and i know i probably didn't explain it that well but we kind of did again listen to that podcast episode it's really good but transitioning those are the, the three and a half ways you process coffee there's other like experimental process coffees like we had a coffee at third wave mm-hmm. that sat in orange yeah. juice that was actually really good um much yeah. to the other staffs uh like i loved it no one else in staff liked it for some reason but i really liked it um <laughs> taste is subjective but, but that's what we're getting into exactly so the way that coffee is processed means that certain notes come out of the coffee certain ways like, I'm sure you've walked into a shop and you see a bag of coffee and it says like strawberry and orange. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, did you add this? Like, like, like almost like a snow cone syrup. Right. And then my immediate question is, well, not really. Um, so I want to at least take, take hold on this because she's really passionate about this. And I, and she literally, she's so much. I'm so excited to learn. <laughs> I, I okay, so this is the least. It's <laughs> so like Henry was saying, right? You walk into a specialty coffee shop and you see a bag that says like that has the notes flavor notes is the the terminology here where it says strawberry and orange right and then someone asks yeah. us usually oh like are these are these like syrups that you added and when last episode this this type of episode we talked about how the roasting process there are some shops that do add artificial sweeteners and syrups and flavors to the roasting process to give it uh kind of like this again this like artificial flavoring with it however the coffee cherry being that it is naturally a fruit from the very beginning has its own set of unique flavors and composition Mm. and that's what we're talking about when we talk about flavor notes that are written on the bag especially at especially at specialty coffee shops so when we say strawberry and orange or these flavor notes on the bag let's say it's like a kenya natural process or something like that right um let's just which is new and it's rare, right? Let's just say that that's the 
what we're talking about is Kenyans couldn't do the... natural until recently. Sorry, it's a long, it's a different story. But we, <laughs> we are we we mentioned that though. So, but um, but what what we're trying to say though is that when you drink this cup of coffee brewed after it's been roasted, we are expecting that the the natural flavor of the the cherry that you're going to taste resembles a strawberry or an orange, or you're going to get hints of those flavors. So if you guys have ever seen the movie Ratatouille, <laughs> it's like when Ratatouille, when, when like Remy is trying to show his brother. You call him Ratatouille? His name is Remy, I, not yes, Ratatouille. I said Remy. Okay. Well, like, it's like when Remy's trying to show his brother, like how to taste food properly. And like all these colors start bursting. And it's like, you've got the like cheese and then the grape and it pairs well together. And it's like all these beautiful like scenes and colors and music oh, and stuff. It's bacon, like, like bacon. <laughs> It's kind of like, it's kind of like that. Like, so for specialty baristas, it's like, this is what we're talking about. Like, this is where we're Remy trying to show you, Emil, like what this is like for us. So- The not bold. Stop describing it as strong and bold. I hate, that's the one stuff you love. <laughs> so basically what we're trying to say is that coffee provides a complex blend of different flavors and they together produce a wide range of sensory experiences. And- the sensory profile of a coffee cup will vary according to a bunch of different factors. So those factors include the type or blend of beans, the source, like where, which country does it come from? Which region does it come from? The method of which it was roasted and how it was prepared or processed, right? All the processes we talked about and any variations of these aspects will impact the overall experience when you drink the cup from preparation to like brewing it to the actual mm. consumption. So um, one thing that I think is really important to mention is the specific aroma and flavor profiles that Henry and I kind of just mentioned, which um, according to sensory experts are described as the way of, differenti of differentiating different types of coffees and roasts. So aroma and taste are the overriding factors that determine coffee preference. And we always say this, but mm. taste is subjective. Um, and so coffee aroma descriptors that you can use, some, some vocabulary you can use to describe your subjective sense of taste or aroma are, include things like flowery, nutty, smoky, herby, um, some, taste descriptors would be like acidic, bitter, sweet, salty, sour, etc. And a lot of people often refer to the coffee flavor wheel. And we're going to link this in the show notes. So you can kind of get a, a picture of what it looks like. And hopefully it'll help give you a, a wider sense of vocabulary. But um, we have a big coffee wheel photo in the, um, the shop that we work at. And it has kind of like everything ranging from like I mean, even even things like, um, I don't know, like rubbery or like things that don't seem like quite, you know, enjoyable uh, experience wise, which I think is interesting because like, you know, it's it's like it's like a uh, what's it called DNA trait, right? Where it's like some people think mm. celery or or cilantro tastes like soap, but some people think cilantro tastes really good <laughs> or like <laughs> or some people think that like you know, Brussels sprouts are gross and I love Brussels sprouts and like, etc. So sprouts last night, oh, it was so good. Dude, I think Brussels sprouts are great. But to that point, right? Uh, a coffee cherry is the same. It's a cherry, it's a fruit. So like not everyone loves blueberries. I don't like melons, you know, and 
people get on my case all the time about that. I don't like watermelon, sorry. <laughs> but to that point, sugar. right? <laughs> sugar? Watermelon sugar. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so I think a really great way of developing your palate um, is kind of, again, like we talked about this in our last episode, but just drinking coffee black is a really great way to um, experiment with that and develop that sense. Because often we get a lot of people being like seeing these notes on our bags. And then <laughs> like, even myself, I had a point in my, my coffee experience where I was like, I don't taste it. Like they all taste the same. And when we would do cupping or quality control um, at our shop, we would have like six or seven co coffees lined up in a row and I would sip and slurp all of them. And I would be like, they literally just all taste the same to me. Like I just can't mm. taste the difference, but the more and more and more and more I kept doing it, the more I realized I was like, oh, there are very like subtle differences to each of them. And yeah. oh, like as I was expanding my aroma and taste vocabulary, I was getting a better sense of like, oh, this uh, Ethiopian tastes like and like this one tastes like cotton candy and, da -da 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 and like all this stuff, right? So a really great resource that I just recently purchased myself and so did Austin, our, our manager slash coffee connoisseur consult um, purchase was Frida Yuan's Sip and Slurp. Um, so it's a book that she, so Frida Yuan is a professional coffee taster and buyer. Mm -hmm. um, she currently devotes her career as the head of coffee in Origin Coffee Roasters. Um, okay. So she, she, she's won the Specialty Coffee Association's UK Cup Tasters Award three years, 2017, 2018, Yo, and in 2020. Dude, she's like god tongue like you ever watch food wars the anime she is she is erin on oh my she is the I, god tongue. I love <laughs> how much we reference anime in our podcast uh, i i feel like a lot of the coffee community hopefully watches a lot of anime too but she is erin on she has the god tongue anyway so she also even won oh, no, her place dude. in the Friggin world Shanzi, cup from one piece though <laughs> um but she also won the world cup tasters in 2017 so in addition to this, she's also a licensed Q grader um, and a member of Coffee Roasters Guild Leadership Council. So Frida is just like top notch. She's got all of yeah, the qualifications um, and what it means to like taste and, and experience coffee to the fullest. And so throughout her career, she worked in a bunch of different sectors of the coffee supply chain, including of course, being like a barista, uh, coffee event management, roasting, blah, blah, blah et cetera. Um, but during the journey, she really found that like one of her biggest passions in coffee was the ultimate sensory experience and the elements of coffee and wrote um, in her book how she like used it to um, uh, recover from an eating disorder. Um, and so mm -hmm. like, you know, wow. who would have thought something, you know, as simple as coffee tasting could help her recover in an eating disorder. So um, I highly recommend her book. It's called Sip and Slurp. Um, there's a couple of different editions that have already come out already uh, and it's been selling out quickly, but we are linking it in the show notes in case you wanted to buy one. Um, I really love her book and she gives a really great guide to discovering how to taste um, the coffee wheel and um, these flavors and just get a better sense of developing the palate. Like you hear Henry and I talk about that terminology a lot, like developing mm -hmm. your palate and your taste, like that will help you better um, appreciate coffee and then also kind of get to like 
where Henry and I are in the sense of of like we're just really passionate about coffee and because we care about how uh, like what it tastes like we also care about the people who are making it and like where it comes from mm. and like you know all, all that process and stuff so um Henry do you have us do you have a favorite like what's the most interesting note you've tasted in a coffee ever the most recent you can remember okay well I have two one was this okay my our, a good friend of ours Steve who works at uh, Rare Bird Coffee. He used to work at Third Wave. He works at Rare Bird Coffee Roasters in Falls Church, Virginia, which is really good. Mm -hmm. He made us a coffee that straight up tasted like Kraft macaroni and cheese in a bad way. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the same one that we tried? Yeah, he got mad because we all (laughs) said cheese and he got livid. Um, I was going to say that one too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also... I think it's so important as we train our palates, right? Like a lot of people are like, I don't taste blueberries. And I was like, well, when was the last time you had a blueberry? And they're like, oh, like six months ago. And I'm like, oh, but duh, you don't even need blueberries on your own. It's good for your hair and your skin, that person. So bring <laughs> eat blueberries. So my hair is luscious. <laughs> um, I mean, Henry's but, hair is definitely uh, pretty luscious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, like for, so for example, like, some interesting flavor notes that I've had is oh we had a um oh my gosh it was a guada it was a Guatemala I don't think it was Guatemala it was a Guatemala coffee that literally tasted like greens or rancher um and it was incredible like it had this very sour aftertaste but also this front end watermelon but because it tasted like a little more sugary or like that's what we put in the you know green uh green dog rancher and whatnot um, yeah. Totally. And yeah. so, I know we have uh, a couple that, that of bags right now that like have, oh, sorry. Our, oh, this is like Zoom thing is just so hard to like manage. Um, sorry for good. all technical difficulties. But um, like even right now we have a note on one of our uh, on one of our coffees right now that says like Pop-Tart. So. Yeah. And I think, I think it just really, yeah. And I even think of like a lot of shops try to get a little fun with their flavor notes instead of just like the basics at that, at that's what it makes, at that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think Valor Coffee and Edison Coffee, uh, which are two really good shops, they, they do a pretty good job of this where I've seen notes like, like fun. And you're like, what does fun mean? Um, or like old school or, 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 or it tastes like a disco party. And you're like, what does that mean? Um, I remember one time it was like, it tastes like sparkles. And you're like, well, what does sparkles taste like? <laughs> and, which I think Odyssey is kind of smart because it gives you more freedom um, right. to uh, train your palate. But also, like, when you, I tried to, when, so early when I talked about the blueberries thing, I tried to not look at flavor notes and taste the coffee first, right? My flavor notes and compare and contrast. So, like, if I taste like a really highly fruity coffee or acidic or whatnot, like, I might say pineapple in the bag, just keep, even though those are kind of similar, but it's like they're different. But it's like, oh, I got that still like acidic and sweetness to it um right yeah and and the thing I wanted to expand on top of that which is perfect segue thank you Henry which is so the the coffee wheel which was developed by the Specialty Coffee Association of America or SCAA for short um it was originally developed in 1995 so it's as old as me which is almost 26 years or maybe 26 years now I'm 96, bro. So oh, you're a baby. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> but, so, but, what, but with that being said, though, like, 
it was developed under a very like subjective um, mm. set of descriptors um, that are almost like, you know, 30 years old. And there's definitely been quite a few different versions that have come out since. Like, I think the most recent version was like 2016. So, you know, only yeah. five years ago. But um, Peter Giuliano, who is the chief research officer of the Specialty Coffee Association and the executive director of the Coffee Science Foundation, um, says that one, one common misconception about the flavor wheel is that it's about quality. When in reality, he says, quote, it's not, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. The SCA mm. cupping methodology is subjective because it's about assigning value to the coffee. The lexicon and sensory descriptiveness of the flavor wheel are not. So when he says cupping methodology, he's talking about the actual like, you know, quality control, like after it's mm. been roasted, you're you're tasting the coffee, just, um, just kind of getting a, a general feel for it. Whereas the like, vocabulary that they give you in the coffee wheel or the flavor wheel are just like key words to kind of help give you some some places to branch off from or you can adopt them as your own but um it also says though that like the revised coffee flavor wheel uh and the associated lexicon have definitely been like much more of a success in the more recent years but a lot mm. of people have scrutinized it for not being inclusive enough. So again, for example, mm. like Henry talking about, uh, okay, like a blueberry. It's like, well, maybe some regions of the world don't have blueberries, or like oh, they don't have ac they don't have access to blueberries. I think of course they don't, access, don't have blueberries. Yeah. Exactly, or like you know, no no tea or shade to like us at third wave, or but like you know, not everyone in the world has tasted a pop tart. So it's like you read that note on the bag, or a green Jolly Rancher, and you're like, I don't know what that tastes what like. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so to to that extent it's like sometimes that flavor coffee well is not inclusive enough and so peter also says one of the problems with the one of oh go ahead even, even think of like asian countries right like things that like yeah. like rice cake right like most white people haven't mm -hmm. had a rice cake before right so right. man and i'm not saying like like if we, imagine if we could de-gentrify your flavor notes you know that's yeah, the right no, word to use. i mean well, especially like the idea of, you know, I mentioned this in the, the Vietnam episode that we have. And if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back and listen. But like one of the notes that we tasted in that that specific bag from Nguyen Coffee Supply was bitter melon. And like bitter melon is such a specific, unique flavor to Vietnam. But I, I doubt a lot of people in the United States have tried bitter melon, um, especially for yeah. people who like aren't Asian, you know, or like are influenced by Asian culture. So but that being said, like you wouldn't find the bitter melon note on the general flavor coffee wheel. Um, so one of the problems with the early Ethan. versions of the coffee wheel was that it was just not familiar. Like it was used with a lot of outdated, antiquated language um, and it made it a much less accessible tool. So like the coffee association knows this, like they have recognized that, you know, early versions were not accessible enough. So. He, Peter says that today's version is meant to be far more inclusive. However, he also acknowledges that it still may be a little too like United States centric. So he actually says, quote, blueberry and maple syrup, for example, are very American references. And I think mm -hmm. there will be some changes in the future that are sensitive to more internationally accessible attributes. So I'm actually super, super passionate about this. Like, you know, again, that is what so good. Saying, 
yeah, like rice cakes, right? Like, or like mochi or um, even like daikon or like, you know, just like weird stuff like that. Or freaking cherry. Like I know, I'm thinking of random stuff, you know, like. Yeah, or, um, or freaking what's like another, or like curry, like spice, you know, like there are so many different versions and cultural food. differences yeah. of curry, you know. A1, just kidding, that's pretty American, but. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my gosh, oh. Oh, is a flavor, that's so big. Or like. With that being uh, said, though. Soy, soy, soy sauce, basil, like, oh my gosh. So yeah, good. oh, imagine a basil, like, tasting, co- like, so it, anyway, with that, with all that being said, um, there is a lot of room to grow with, with the flavor wheel. Shut up. <laughs> but with that being said, like, yeah, there's a lot of room left to grow with the, with the flavor wheel. And so um, the idea is the flavor wheel is just a suggestion. It's not meant to be taken as like truth or fact. It's supposed to be a guide to help other people determine what they taste, um, especially because again, we always say this, but taste is just so subjective. And we kind of want to help like start encouraging people to, I don't know if degentrify your, your coffee is the right word or the the coffee taste is the right word necessarily, but like making it more inclusive. Um, Honestly, I feel like I I, I have a different word. Like if you think about it, I don't, and I'm trying to be very careful with my words here, but it's almost like, I think of like American, like colonialization. It's almost like, it's almost like America is like colonialized coffee notes to like the fit mm. on our notes it's almost like decolonizing your your flavor notes you know um oh that's mm. it decolonize the coffee wheel decolonize the coffee wheel oh, man, you started the hashtag bro we're gonna workshop this but the idea though at the end of the day is taste is subjective decolonize the coffee wheel discover for yourself like what you're tasting in these coffee notes and it's okay to not taste anything in the beginning. It's okay if it all still tastes like coffee, you know, whatever that means to you. But the more and more and more you break it down and you realize that there are subtle differences and nuances in these notes um, and you you have this like wider vocabulary to help describe what you're tasting, um, the better you can appreciate and value coffee and the people and country that it comes from. So, and that's the goal, especially with Asian coffee like Asian coffee is so undervalued in terms of like, you know, cause it's still being mass produced for like instant coffee or has lower quality control, et cetera. I mean, there are a ex- few exceptions obviously with like Indonesia and China and et cetera. But for the most part though, like it's still widely recognized as like this first or second wave level of coffee. And um, we want to change that narrative. So yeah. yeah. And even like you when you taste well, sorry, I interrupted you. It's so hard to tell with our with our voices. I don't know, you're good. Well, I'm saying even like tasting wash or natural, like it's okay to be like, oh, I prefer wash or over naturals or whatever. But being able to be able to taste a natural, I'm like, oh, that's a good quality natural. Even if I prefer wash, like I can tell that like that was brewed well and it was brewed to the standard of which a farmer would want it to be brewed. I think that's important mm-hmm. to know too. Yeah, definitely. But um. So all of these things that we mentioned, all the resources, so like Frida Yuan's book, the flavor wheel, um, Henry's making stupid faces at me, <laughs> Lucia Solis's podcast, and any of the um, <laughs> articles that we mentioned, we'll link them in the show notes. And Henry, I think you have a couple announcements, right? I'm doing hand signs. This is the Grim Reaper sign that uh, 
that uh, the third Okage did in his fight with Orochimaru. I memorized it in the fifth grade, and I still know it. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is still recorded. I'm going to post this on Instagram later. <laughs> yeah, I still know it. So I literally had it memorized when I read the manga. But, yes, announcements. So, class, that's all we have for class. But announcements, go to recess or pay attention. Um, so, it, today's Tuesday, if you haven't noticed, which means yesterday... We announced a giveaway for our tote bags for Asian Coffee Co's cool tote bags. And Ooh. our winner, if you didn't see on Instagram, is Drummo, please. I was really afraid that I was going. Aaron Chase. Aaron Chase, dude, I actually know the guy. Um, I promise you guys it, it was legit and we um whatnot. But Aaron Chase, he's a barista out in Steadfast Coffee in Nashville. Uh I think I think he's done barista work. I think he's also a cook. I think he does both, but <laughs> I've known Aaron um, for, for I've known of Aaron for a couple of years, um, but I didn't really meet him until like a year ago. Like we went to the same university, and his old roommate was one of my old roommates. We were like both in his wedding or whatever. But he's a barista there. His girlfriend is Asian, which is super dope. Um, <laughs> barista out there, he loves coffee. Uh, I just think it's cool, like you know, because we're Asian Coffee Co. And he is the winner, and it's dope because he's <laughs> he's in coffee. He knows coffee. Um, he's a really solid guy, and I'm really happy that he won. So he's winning an Asian Coffee Co. tote bag. He is winning a V60 set. He gets to win a – he gets to pick any coffee region of his choice from what's in the bag and maybe some of the global goodies that we got. Uh, but I know of y'all, all of y'all are like, oh, my God, Henry, I wanted a tote bag. I want to win a tote bag. What do I need to tote bag? Well, um, we're selling our tote bags as well because – our website yeah. is live. Finally, what's our, what's our after URL? so many weeks, so many weeks, we finally are live. We've actually kind and of had it live. We just haven't really announced it. Yeah, we just haven't publicized it. But our domain, our website is aznconfeeco.com. Keep it simple. Keep it easy for you. So if you forget the name of the website, just go to our Instagram. And if you don't follow us on Instagram yet, you can follow us at Yeah, don't A-Z-N unfollow us because you did it win the giveaway. Coffee Co. Don't yeah, unfollow very us. Very true. Don't unfollow <laughs> That's so shady if you do, man. Like, if you unfollow people after you don't win a giveaway, that's so shady. Just kidding. That's because that's we're, so we're trying but to fight of. racism, which means you're basically indirectly profiting from racism. So, oh, my God. No, um, stop. <laughs> I'm shady. Uh, but... But hey, we're selling these tote bags, y'all. It'll be for a measly dope price of fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and hey, plus shipping for sure. Plus shipping, yep. Uh, and we're only shipping in the U.S. for now. Uh, we'll try to figure out what international shipping looks like. And if you live in Southern Virginia or Northern Virginia, we'll do uh, free pickup uh, because that's where we're from, and we're not going to make you pay shipping if you live five minutes from my house. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. And if you if you do live in those areas, just DM us for the code. Um, we obviously can't give it to everybody, unfortunately. But, um, yeah. you know, for the people that are local, that is uh, an added bonus for you. So just DM us the, for the code and we can give you that code so you can get free shipping um, and free pickup. So um, otherwise, though, uh, you can read more about like our partners that we've been uh, kind of in the works with like collaborating um, on our website. You can read more oh, about whoa. We got We got some big stuff planned in our DMs that have happened in the past week that we can't say yet. I know. 
so exciting so exciting like but literally I like i can't it. say it like literally like three three big things have happened in the past week we can have i know we're just yeah like, like our it's like it's like it's like when dracula first bit that girl and like got her blood but she wasn't a vampire yet but she was about to be a vampire <laughs> that's what it feels like i don't know oh. <laughs> it's okay yeah sure it's just like blessings on blessings on blessings for sure like there's so much happening um that we just were not ready for but are so excited about so stay tuned for that uh definitely follow us on our ig we update that pretty regularly we also have twitter um at azn underscore co and check out the website it's live our creative director ellie worked so hard on it um she did a fantastic job um so big big props and kudos to her um, for doing that and then of course um just a big thank you to like trey the guy who took our photos he did an amazing yeah, job yeah, without yeah. him the, our website would not be as dope as it is so with that no, being said be not as cool definitely but with that being said that's all for class go enjoy recess we'll see you recess. after the break we'll see you after summer break just kidding we'll be back before then this is basically summer right. school. Basically, you guys failed in the spring and you're doing summer school. Oh, no. <laughs> um. Exactly. Well, all right. That's it, folks. Take care. Bye. Bye.